0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film The Lobster. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed and listen without having seen the film, just be aware that this episode contains spoilers. Enjoy.
2: hello all right
1: you are once again extremely online
0: i am once again the most online person ever
1: how's that how's that working out for you is it started to become like tron yet your favorite film
0: it's it's more that it's starting to become like american psycho in that i want to hit a lot of people with an axe
1: and you want to listen to a hell of a lot of huey lewis and the news
0: i mean that was a default anyway so uh, not much has changed there
1: I've mentioned this before, but I share my birthday with Huey Lewis. It's pretty good.
0: I share my birthday with the news.
1: Yeah, the news, as in all all members of his band, or like news channels. The concept of news.
0: <laughs> I share it with the theoretical concept of current events.
1: Yeah, which didn't exist until around 1812.
0: Exactly. Exactly. It, it actually is my. It, it's it's my exact birthday. So 1988. Um, is when the news as a concept originated. Before then, um, people looked at seashells and they decided what they thought had happened based on what they read in the shells.
1: Yeah, nobody really knew what was going on because everything was so slow. It's like you wouldn't find out what happened until a couple of days later. So it wasn't wasn't new, really. It was called the olds instead. Here's some, here's some olds for you.
0: It, it, the, on, on, on BBC, it's, it's the olds at six o'clock. Today, <laughs> we don't know. Something probably happened.
1: Yeah. A couple of days ago, a man tried to fly, and he did I not succeed. I had a succeed. cheese sandwich
0: for lunch today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was back in the days when everyone talked like this, which was every year up until before 1988 when we were born.
0: Exactly. That That's exactly what happened. Mm.
1: Good times, good times. But we are recording on a Wednesday afternoon, which is rare, but our circumstances have pulled together to bring both of us together on a weekday afternoon, which is great. It's my last week of yeah. parental, parental leave, so I will be back at work next week. So expect the next episode of the podcast for me to just be furious.
0: You'll be livid.
1: Yeah, or to for me to literally be asleep, because going back to work <laughs> and then coming home to deal with the baby, I probably will not be sleeping at all. So we'll find we'll find out what that does to a human being. But um, people seem to manage it, right?
0: Yeah. from From now on out, um, the podcast is just going to be me, and then me doing an incredibly accurate uh, person uh, impersonation of Paddy. That's what it's yeah. going to be. Um, but but I have been I have been test to what happens when a human doesn't get enough sleep this week. Um, oh, because really? It is e three week at the week of recording, so uh, I have been working Entertainment
1: Cubed to give it yes, its official yeah. title.
0: Uh, uh, N Cube was its a, it was its original name. <laughs> That's my um, favorite games console. So <laughs> so, so E three the biggest uh, video game uh, expo slash trade show, and um I have been working L A time, but also not been able to sleep for L A time. So still waking up at early in the morning. So it has generally been work until four thirty, go to sleep, wake up at six thirty, and then. Not be able to get back to sleep, but it means I've covered a lot for the website, which is nice.
1: Yeah, that's good. What What's the latest news from Entertainment Cubed? I haven't. So, I haven't been out of the loop, obviously, because I spend most of my time talking to a small baby who does sort of <laughs> respond. He's responding now, which is very nice. Have but you started talking he, about oh, Brexit just, yet? Oh, all, all the time. I'm like, if you if you don't like Brexit, go at, and then he goes at. So <laughs> I think he's in he's in good shape.
0: Definite Ramona territory. Yeah. Um. So um so Ramona Flowers from Scott Pilgrim so big news big news from E3 is uh there's a new Zelda coming they showed a cinematic that told us absolutely nothing whatsoever but obviously people are still excited because there's a little bit of something a little Um, bit of the
1: greatest video game series ever created
0: uh Toka 2 touring cars lad
1: (laughs) Yeah, that, that's that's what I meant. Of course,
0: um, there was no talker news. Unfortunately, I was very disappointed.
1: So you've written ten articles about how furious you are about it. Yes, about um, how you're hard done by and being discriminated against.
0: Yeah, where's my where's my new talker? Because they did they did make more touring car games that eventually span off into a series called Race Driver, um, but I don't think there's been any of those for a while. Um, and so what what other news was there? There's going to be a new Watch Dogs game. Watch Dogs is a series of games which are about they're kind of like GTA but about hacking so you you're you're like a a a sort of anonymous type person who goes around and sneaks into stuff.
1: I thought you meant the tv show with Ann Robinson where they talk about like PPI scams. (laughs) Uh,
0: Yes exactly that so so you basically do open world gameplay but you do lots of hacking and things like that and and you can play it kind of in a non-violent way which is cool but also you can play it in a violent way which is also cool but i think they could do more with it but the new one is set in a like very near future dystopian london after brexit um which could be interesting Um, But the game's publisher has routinely come out and said, we don't make political games. Um, Whereas the creative director has come out and said, the creative director has come out and said, yeah, I make political games and this is a very (laughs) political game. So it's going to be an interesting clash and it's going to be interesting to see how much politics makes it into the final product.
1: Fuck's sake. It's impossible to make a non-political piece of art. Everything is political. Just admit if it's political, it's fine.
0: So so the, the, the way that they explain it is kind of more nuanced where they say we don't go into it um, deliberately trying to push forward a political message, but instead we explore the notion of politics through the works that we create, which I think is a bit more interesting. But they should still have the gumption to actually say, no, yeah, this is a political uh, game because it's set in a post Brexit Britain uh, where loads of stuff that's obvious political satire happens. <laughs> It's like yeah. well, come on guys. Get get I think have, that's have the much bravery more, to say that it's a political game.
1: As you say, that is a much more nuanced take than you actually get, or a more nuanced statement than you often get from people who are just so scared of saying that anything is political in any way at all that they might alienate all the right wing fuckboys who play games or whatever it is that they're trying to sell. That like yeah, I, I quite like that that they've made that statement actually. That's good because yeah, it's impo- it's possible to make something that has political overtones, or from which political messages can be drawn or interpreted, or that you know you can discuss in relation to politics, but without necessarily going into it. Going, we're going to make this really overt political statement, and to have them acknowledge that, I think, is a good thing.
0: Yeah, because also a lot of the time when games do go out of their way to try and give an overt political statement, nine times out of ten they fail <laughs> and do it yeah. really badly. So, but but the the what game. What do you mean about from... J-
1: Jeremy Corbyn racer twenty nineteen?
0: I said an overt political statement, not a bunch <laughs> of wishy-washy bollocks, Paddy. Um, the, uh, the 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 game director is um, a guy who made a very interesting game, uh, Far Cry 2, which is a game which is... It's almost the entire game is a metaphor for col- uh, colonialism in Africa. And so you're this um, sort of covert operative who goes in and you have the, you, the chance to sort of team up with various paramilitary groups in the area all of which are trying to destabilise it. And basically everything you do in the game makes everything a lot worse. So he's a guy who is used to sharing political messages and used to doing it in a way that actually works. So I do have high hopes for Watch Dogs. That's hmm. good.
1: That actually um, sounds really good.
0: Yeah, so so it's a guy with, with a track record of success. It looks interesting. It looks fun. You also have the ability to recruit people to your like resistance movement and play as anybody that you recruit so you don't just have one set character you can recruit people and then just jump into their lives um which is a really interesting mechanic and i think it's going to be interesting to see if that actually works um but the the most important news of the um of of, of the expo so far though are you ready for this
1: yeah, I, i'm i was born ready
0: the, the most important you're, you're going to be really pleased when you hear this um there's this twitch streamer called dr disrespect <laughs> and uh actually that that's a great name and he has just been suspended from twitch because he did his first ever live stream so normally he just plays games and streams them but this time he was down on the conference floor he'd been given um like a uh, a, a pass for for e3 and uh so he was live streaming the entire thing so this cameraman was following him around. Um, but he went into the public bathrooms and was streaming from inside the public bathrooms whilst people were using them. And so he's now been suspended from Twitch and he's had his press pass taken away from the event. <laughs> um because yeah, I mean there's an easy answer
1: to how you avoid that, which is don't film people peeing, you idiot.
0: Yeah, unsurprisingly, that not only breaks Twitch's terms and conditions, but also might be a break of uh, the law in California so um didn't teach him that yeah. in med school did they
1: california very strict <laughs> bathroom laws
0: yeah um so yeah if anything yeah. A,
1: do- a doctor should definitely be aware of what goes on in the bathroom
0: yeah but they shouldn't be filming it no um <laughs> but yeah, yeah first so, class
1: of med school bathroom, yeah, don't, bathroom, don't, bathroom etiquette
0: don't take a camera into public toilets <laughs> um so so yeah that was that was the the most exciting news uh, you know there was some other stuff like you know zelda <laughs> final, <laughs> fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> final fantasy <laughs> <laughs> Pff, whatever's what we're here for is uh, online influencers getting their accounts banned for filming people as they go to the toilets.: I and think influen tens should just of be thousands banned. of streamers.:
1: You should just ban the idea of influencing as a whole. If you call yourself an influencer, you should have your account locked immediately.
0: I, th- I think the, the vague concept of influencing should be banned. You should not be allowed to influence anyone. If you offer an opinion at all, uh, you should be banned outright.: Yeah, because that's political. All that should exist is hype and silent playing of video games online.
1: Yeah. Hype is allowed, but influence is not. So you can be a hype man, but not an influencer. Exactly. So a very, very important it's, distinction. It
0: is a very, very different thing.
1: Yeah. I'll be a hype man. I think we should hire a hype man for this podcast. A I guy think so who as just well. like wears a backwards baseball cap and then comes on at the end to rap about how great we are.
0: We could get the guy who does all of the shouting for pendulum at their live shows yes i love that guy because he's he's amazing
1: he is great every band needs a shouty bloke
0: they do they do yeah
1: on somewhere on the spectrum of on the one hand the shouty bloke from the automatic and the other side the shouty bloke from pendulum somewhere in between yeah exactly
0: um speaking of hype the lobster did Mm. not live up to the hype for me was it hyped it was hyped i'd say I'd say people were like, this is an amazing movie. This is a groundbreaking movie. This is one of the best films ever.
2: There was a lot of hype. I
0: I do
1: remember hearing a a bit about it at the time. I wouldn't say I I heard hype, but I did still go into it with very high expectations. Less because of the hype, but more because of the favourite, which we discussed on this podcast and we rated very, very highly, and which I thought was a really great film. And The Lobster is also directed by Yorgos Lanthimos, who also co-wrote it as well. So to have seen a film where he got so much right and made this really incredible and very, very different and interesting film that rightly won loads of Oscars, um, I was really keen to see this critically rated work that he'd done before. And you're right, I don't know that it lived up to my expectations either, but there were a lot of things that I liked about it.
0: Yes, yeah. I I still enjoyed this movie an awful lot, Um, but I think it suffers from... um, a very, very strong first act and a not so strong second and third.
1: How do you feel about the fact that every five seconds you've got strings going...
0: I really liked it. Um, because this I movie what, is, I fucking hated the I'm sh- score. It was I'm sure horrible. you did. I'm sure you did. Did you, did I you think it that amazing? I was going to? Yeah, <laughs> it, there was. It wasn't jingle jangle melody, so I knew there there was not an, an ounce yeah. of uh, of the plain white tees in this. All,
1: all score. I want from a film score is jangling rickenbacker guitars like R.E.M. <laughs> That's all I want. Every film score should be done by Peter Buck from R.E.M. <laughs> <laughs>
0: There was not a hint of anything that vaguely <laughs> related to Arcade Fire in this yeah. film. Uh, go no, terrible score.
1: <laughs> no soft synthesizers. Uh, I, actually, I, I actually think Arcade Fire are bloated and overrated.
0: I really, um, I really like. I think they're fine rated. You know, they do. People like boring indie music, and and I mean that about indie music in general. Even the indie music I like, a lot of it is incredibly boring. Um, and they're a very good example of a of a good boring indie band. Um, yeah, for sure. Because I was just, I was thinking about it and like, you know, I listen to a lot of indie music, but like, I don't think there's ever been an indie band that's given me the same sort of like visceral feel of like, wow, as like even the worst song by industrial metal band, Ministry. If you know what I mean. I thought you were going to say Nine Inch Nails. Well, Nine Inch Nails is an example of a band that I think generally have a good track record, whereas Ministry have very high songs and very low songs um but but and like, also i also have
1: a side project called the revolting cox yes
0: which is an incredible name um but whereas i feel like i don't think there's and, and i listen to a lot of indie music but i don't feel i've ever had a really strong reaction to it uh, in terms of being like wow this has changed my life you know i've never listened to a song by the smiths and gone ooh, that's that's you know that's really hit me in the gut even even songs like how soon is now uh that i really love um I've never had that apart from that's
1: interesting because I I have a very emotional response to the Smiths because I my dad was playing them when I was very very small young age some of the earliest music I can ever remember hearing is the Smiths so yeah I I kind of uh, but that's more of a nostalgia thing I guess
0: yeah and there's a difference between nostalgia and um having that unique reaction um like like for me you know I, I get nostalgic listening to Simply Red because that's what used to get played in my house when I was about five years old, but it's not the kind of music I'd ever listen to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, whereas, whereas, yeah, like the only band I can think of is in terms of like a classic band that can be thought of in the indie sphere is The Cure, I guess, that really caused... that I, I do have that sort of um, strong reaction to where like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Like you listen to dis- anything off the album Disintegration, for instance um and and you get that punch um and in part that's down to the bombastic nature of it i suppose whereas a lot of the time indie music's more introspective and subtle and subtlety doesn't hit you in the same way even if it's very well crafted
1: for sure i I'd, I'd still have rather morrissey did the score for the lobster
0: i wouldn't i love the score can it, you it, imagine <laughs> the it, it the the score to the lobster and i know you don't like it because it's got a bit of a sort of drama to it creaking
1: um, scratching strings
0: yeah and it fits in per- it fits in perfectly with it because the whole thing is this kind of bizarre dystopia and and the whole thing is supposed to be tense and horrible um uh, nothing that happens to any character in this film is a positive thing they they But trapped.
1: I, I i feel like it's going too far with trying to make it tense and horrible it's like the the subject matter the way it's played out the deadpanness of it all contributes to the tension enough for me. I would actually rather have had some sort of light relief. And the reason that I think The Favourite actually works so brilliantly is that it has it has that element of tension and of hor- horribleness, but it has light relief. But that's, that comes more so from the characters and from the, the funny things like a slow-motion duck race and stuff, which I guess you can't really have in a dystopian world like that of The Lobster. But so but that was my problem with it overall was there wasn't enough light relief which I think you still need in these kind of films it's it's supposed to be tense it's supposed to be this kind of big commentary but it it felt it didn't feel funny or satirical enough for me it was just too horrible and I think the score for me was the thing that tipped it over the edge
0: see I think if it had a softer score then the more ridiculous elements of it would have fallen apart I think the fact that it had to be wrapped in that sort of horrible element because otherwise if you started having a softer score if you had Morrissey doing the score to this movie for instance (laughs) um not only would it suddenly become incredibly racist but also (laughs) um it would um it would lose it And, and you'd lose that fake tension because this movie is based around fake tension more than anything else the whole concept is ridiculous but if you if you have that very um, natural reaction to that creeping score, it keeps you tense and it keeps you locked in to the fact that people are somehow getting turned into parrots. You know what yeah. I mean? As, I, I'm not if saying that it that. had
1: to be soft. I'm just saying that it was a little bit too much, that that theme that just kept coming back every five seconds. And like it was always just like really creaking strings. They're just... I don't know. I don't know exactly how different I wanted it to be. I just wanted it to be a little bit less, if that makes sense. I'm still okay with the score being there to provide tension, but it could have just been a little bit less in your face. Because uh, it, it, it it distracts from the the nature of the film itself, which is doing so much. The dialogue I, I... is doing so much. The, the deadpanness of the sort, sort of automaton voices of all of the characters out there, all speaking in this monotone. That's doing a lot of work, even though it's kind of trying to be boring, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I, well, that's, that's I think, the reason why it needs that tense score, because a lot of it is very deadpan and is very boring. Um, and, and by doing so, it then intensifies the dark comedic element of it, which I otherwise like would be lost. Um, the, the, and, and I think this movie works incredibly well as a dark comedy. Um, you know, it's very rare that a movie makes you laugh when you see someone who's just murdered a dog, and has blood all over their leg, and they're explaining in grim detail about what happened. But this movie manages to pull it off, where it's a scene that's so absurd and so tense and so horrible, but it's done in such a deadpan fashion that it then comes back around to being darkly comic.
1: Yeah, I, but for me, it did that most of the time, but not all of the time. There were some bits, As you say, it, it does that really well in the first half, and then towards the end, I think it starts to lose its way. And you're like, okay, here's another gruesome thing. Yeah, where is this actually going? And then it ends kind of abruptly. But I do like that it ends ambiguously.
0: Yeah, what do you think happened at the end of the film?
1: I think he he didn't do it. He didn't blind himself. He was too scared.
0: No, I think that he... You think he, he did it? I don't think that he did it. I think he didn't do it. And then he's just going to tell her that he did?
1: Yeah, as I thought he'd come back to the table and be like, yeah, I'm blind now, lol.
0: Because the whole... Um, because all the way through the movie... There's these points made about people lying in relationships and like every single relationship that we see, um, you see that there is this foundation of not entire truth because no one has entire truth with anybody else. There's always something, Um, you know, if, if everybody existed on a level where they told the truth constantly... Um, then nobody would be in a job no one would be in a relationship you know or or they'd be in a relationship but, but you know you, you you do tell little white lies and things like that
1: and sometimes you have to tell lies because exactly of society's constraints placed upon you in things like yeah relationships and work and jobs and everything
0: exactly exactly and and, and that's what kind of propels this film along and so the fact that it keeps coming back to that point, whether it's um, Ben Walsh's character uh, faking nosebleeds or the two uh, two managers of the hotel, one of them admitting that they, you know, trying to force the other one to be the one who gets killed, yeah, um, which is a very, again, a very darkly comic scene. And it does make you laugh, but at the same time, it keeps you on the edge of your seat. Um, all the time, it comes back to that thing. So I think the the kind of, for me, at least, I thought, yeah, he didn't do it, but he's going to say he did because... They love one another, but he can't face blinding himself over it.
1: Yeah. And yeah, the, the idea that they have to share this kind of character trait is like, is anyone actually going to check up on that once they're outside of the hotel? Perhaps not. Who knows?
0: And I mean, uh, another thing that this film does quite well is it doesn't go into the specific details of how it works. You kind of get enough detail through what they show you to understand what's going on.
1: Yeah, because it's not about the detail.
0: No, exactly. It's all about like turning people into camels, and stuff.
1: <laughs> you, th- you think there's camels happening in the transformation room? Yeah. Well,
0: you see a camel at one point, don't you, in the background? You've got a camel. You've got a um, you've got a pony. You got dogs. Oh yeah, bit where
1: she's just like stroking the pony. <laughs>
0: yes. Um, and the dog, so, the
1: dog is his brother.
0: Yeah, and and it, it's an in- it's a really interesting conceit um that almost it feels very um similar to it feels like a dystopian movie it's framed as a dystopian film um and but it also more than sort of 1984 that you'd think of as like the primary sort of focus of, of something like this it feels a lot more like brave new world in that it showcases two different worlds neither of which actually provide everything that the 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 main character wants
1: even though they're both trying very very hard to do that with rules and obligations
0: precisely precisely and and that's what brave new world does incredibly well where you've got one side of, of pure technology uh, and oppression via technology and then you've got the other side of freedom but it comes at a price and it comes with its own very strict set of rules um whereas here you've got you must find love or we turn you into an animal versus you must never love or we will do horrible things yeah. to you.
1: But I don't think at any point they ever refer to it as love, do they? Apart no, from it's, when com-
0: it's... it's companion, isn't it, or partnership.
1: Yeah, which is a very, very significant point because they're, they're not pushing this kind of huge myth of love. They're pushing, the uh, society is pushing something that's actually eminently more practical, more boring and more functional. Which is you know i th- I think an interesting commentary on the way that yeah you people often people have love and fall in love, but it doesn't always necessarily work because there are all of these practical considerations,
0: yes exactly, um and so yeah, it is a very it's a world that's very functional and it's a world that feels very structured, and I think that's part of the reason why it kind of. The film drops a little bit in the second and third acts because the first act is incredibly strong. You've got that structure of, this is the hotel. At the hotel, you must find a companion. If you don't find a companion, you get turned into an animal. But then as soon as they leave that sort of place, it yes, then becomes...
1: Here's His mum turned into a wolf.
0: Yeah. Um. As, as soon as they leave that place, it then becomes something... A little bit more free flowing, and I don't think the free flowing nature works that well.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's almost like it's trying to do too much.
0: Yeah, it's it it. it the, the, it's a film that's based all around structures, um, and as soon as that that sort of conceit is lost, and they start delving into something where there's more freedom, um, it kind of loses its way a bit, and it becomes a bit aimless. Yeah, a bit like, like your main character, obviously.
1: Yeah, yeah, which is I think definitely intentional yeah it just comes across as a bit like oh well, come on where where is this going and it's almost two hours long so it's a little bit on the long side
0: it is and unlike the favorite it actually feels quite long this movie whereas the favorite sort of you never feel as though you um as feel as though it's got too much pace to it this one it it feels a bit lengthy doesn't it yeah
1: it it, it does but the thing I think is most interesting about it is, as you say, it's a, it's a dystopian story, and if you the concept I think is the best and the strongest thing about it. It's such a brilliant concept, um, and it's a good story as well. And if you were to take even just the either the concept on its own, or the concept, or the bare bones of the story, so he has to do this in the hotel and escape this, and there's lots of different very kind of action points. If you and there's a lot of kind of running away from people and things, and a lot of conflict. If you were to take all of that and make that you could make that into almost like a sort of one of these teen dystopian films they have now, like The Hunger Games or The Maze Runner or something. So something a film that would be literally the complete opposite of this, but that would have the exact same story. And if you describe the bare bones of the story, then you realise that it could fit that kind of really, really commercial film. But it goes, it's com- it's the complete opposite of that. And that, I think, is its most interesting thing and its strength. But it also does make you wonder how different it could have been.
0: Yeah, Michael Bay's The Lobster. Michael Bay's very, The Lobster. I, I would very much that. And and you've got those kind of the movies, don't you? Like there's there's another dystopian um romance movie called I think it's called Code 46. Oh yeah. Um which is Tim Robbins and uh it's in a world where people aren't supposed to love, but they fall in love. Um so almost the inverse of this. Um or I like you know. Tim Robbins. You've got um I like Tim Robbins as well. He's he's a good one. Jacob's Ladder, great film. Um, or or you've got films like Maze Runner, as you mentioned, Hunger Games. Um, yeah. Or, or you've got films like Battle Royale as well. It's, you know, That's similar kind film. of concepts uh, executed much better. Um, but also, you know, did you got...
1: see all of the Hunger Games films?
0: No, because they split the last one into two parts. And I was like, I'm not wasting four hours of my life on this.
1: Right decision. Right decision. First one, very good. Second one, pretty good last two look third one uh, last one utter dog shit
0: i think the problem is that it did the movies did the world building incredibly well but then because they had to um be a, a pg movie they then cut down on the violence that was very necessary to hammer home its point um if you made a pg version of battle royale it would not work um because part of what's supposed to shock you about that scenario is the violence being perpetrated against each other by children Mm. and if you take away that shock value then it's never going to be as going to be as impactful as it should be
1: yeah that's true Um, and i did violence in the lobster yeah yeah that's true um but the 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 violence in the lobster is also interesting because it comes at various points which do work for the pacing i think you know so the dead dog and the and shooting the loners and all that or tranquilizing them and all that stuff and yeah the after um Rachel Vice has been blinded she then goes and thinks she's killing the ringleader but she's killing the maid who is the mole in the hotel and there are moments of violence spread out throughout it that do work to provide that kind of really jarring sort of oh yeah this is a this is a brutal world but at the, so they they work to sort of bring you back down to earth from the, the satirical black comedy elements of it don't they
0: yeah they do um it's it's an interesting way to do it um and they're very brief they're very matter of fact as well which i like um they're all shot in the same sort of artistic slow style there's no sudden Uh, twenty-four cut scene of Colin Farrell jumping over a fence or anything like that. (laughs) Um, it's it's yeah, it's very direct, and I appreciate that. Um, it it really works very well to to occasionally just hammer home. Oh wait, this is a horrible, horrible situation.
1: Yeah, the the dialogue is also extremely direct as well, and that works as well. Yeah, and it's,
0: it's 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 a very funny movie at times, not to the same extent as as the favorite um but i think it's going for that very different tone anyway um but but there's still moments of humor and a lot of that does come from the dialogue and just how direct people are to explain basic things that don't really propel anything substantial as we'd understand it but clearly have a lot of significance within the world
1: it's like when um the the maid so you're in the hotel you're not allowed to masturbate but it's mandatory for you to be sort of pleasured by the maid and the, the maid sort of pleasures him for a bit and then goes away and he's like please just a little bit longer and then she walks off and he's like it's awful just awful <laughs> that really made me chuckle
0: <laughs> see see that scene it, it struck me as like a check that. A, they get aroused, and B, that they haven't been masturbating, I suppose.
1: Yeah. And the the dog that is his brother is just like watching them from the corner of the room. <laughs> yeah, which is, yeah,
0: it's really awkward, yeah. isn't it? It's a really yeah. awkward scene, but very, very funny. And then um, John
1: C. Riley, my main man, John C. Riley, who I love, he's, he gets, his character gets caught masturbating and they burn his fingers in a toaster, which is really horrible. But before that, you're kind of like laughing because they said, they said he was looking at a picture of a naked woman on a horse.
0: And, and again, that's that brilliant clash of the comedy suddenly being replaced by the horror of the situation where the the whole scene's comedic from the moment they put down the toaster on the on the table and you know what's going to happen, and you're laughing along and you're chuckling away with what he's saying and the and the absurdity of the situation, but then it does it sticks on them holding his hand inside a toaster as it's turned on um and it's incredibly uncomfortable to watch, and it's quite distressing. And and again it just shows how well they handle that tonal shift.
1: Yeah, for sure. I wonder with all of the actors how how hard it was for them to just say all the lines in the, sort of that robotic deadpan way, especially Colin Farrell, who I think does an amazing job.
0: Yeah, that's the thing, is as it's a it's a ridiculously good cast, this film. Um everyone in it is amazing. And um, I think it must have been very difficult to to keep a straight face for all of this because a lot of what they're saying is completely ridiculous.
1: Yeah, it should have ended after the credits with a blooper reel of the more all, chuck- all chuckling after saying horrible lines. Sud-
0: suddenly, um, Morrissey's music starts playing. Yeah. Or, um, <laughs> yeah, and like and it's
1: just Ben or laughing in slow motion, and and then just swirling some gladioli on a patio. <laughs>
0: Um, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it, it's, they, they do a great job, don't they? Given how, how unnatural it feels, um, they do yeah, a great really job. And they're all
1: actors who you know are very, very good at, at, at acting. This is, that's an obvious thing to say, but you know, they're very, very, very good at providing emotional performances and putting a lot into their dialogue. Um, and, stuff like that because you've seen them in other things where they've just where they've done very very different performances and they've all got huge range as well as the other thing So when you see them in this you're like actually that might have been quite a challenge for them.
0: Yeah, that's the thing is um that I think there is a real element of challenge here and and also the challenge of getting you to look at them not as the actor but as the character. Yeah. Um which in a movie like this I think is always would would be quite difficult and it's the kind of film that um with lesser high-profile actors, it might have been distracting if it was such high-profile names. So- yeah,
1: and the character characterization comes down to the deadpan dialogue a lot more, and the film makes that a deliberate choice because you've got them all um, having to wear the same clothes and do the same things and go to the same places and be part of very restrictive society where they can't express themselves.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, so a lot rests on the on the actors to actually. Bring this to life in such a way that you ignore the fact that it's Colin Farrell or John C. Riley or Rachel Vice or um, the the countless other incredibly high profile names that are in this film.
2: Yeah,
1: we had the girl um from that film, the new romantic that we watched. Yeah, so she was good.
0: Yep. So she uh, is the nosebleed girl.
1: Yeah, um, ends up with Ben Ben Wishaw, our main ping, our main pingu. But it's all based on a lie. Yeah, he's been hitting himself. On tables to make his nose bleed. Yep,
0: um, exactly. Um, but then you know you've got Olivia Coleman. Um, you've who's great? Who's he, really her good deadpan
1: well. is so good. And the thing that made me laugh the most is she's like the hotel manager, and her par- she's got a partner who manages the hotel, and they like they have these like weird evening entertainment things where it's like a cruise ship and they've all got these long tables and they're all sitting around and it's her and her partner singing to this band really really weirdly it's almost like sort of faux opera and they're both really like out of tune and horrible that that made me laugh that really made me chuckle yeah
0: it's 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 a really i I thought you didn't like the score paddy no
1: that that bit i did (laughs) like because that that was um music within the story itself rather than the score. Anytime that music was used within the film I thought it was amazing and incredibly effective because there's also a scene much later on when they've gone to the forest and he's joined the loners and he's found Rachel Weiss and they're having this secret relationship. The leader of the loners um, for some weird unknown reason they keep going to like as a group visit her parents um, and there's a bit where their parents are playing like um, Spanish guitars and I really like that.
0: Yeah that that was was a really good scene. Um where the um the 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 fake relationship between uh the short sighted woman and uh and Colin Farrell's um but what's his character name? David? Is it David, David his name? Yeah. Um but between between David and the short sighted woman, they, they have this fake relationship to use as cover when they're in the city. Um but then it becomes a real one when they realise that they do actually have that romantic attraction to one another. Um And uh, off the back of that, then they just start making out quite graphically on the sofa, (laughs) Um, which is really funny. And again, it's just so off the wall. It's so, so strange and offbeat that it just works incredibly well, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it does. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, the budget was only four million, which isn't that much really these days. So it took 80 million at the box office. So well done. But I think with that budget, they managed to do a hell of a lot.
0: Yeah, they they did. They it really feels like, um,
1: especially when they must have spent most of it transforming people into horses and camels and whatever. Yeah,
0: God knows how much that must have cost. At least at least fifty thousand pounds per transformation, I'd imagine.
1: Is that the going
0: rate? That is, I haven't looked into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, obviously, a lot of that budget, I imagine, must have gone on the cast. Um, but also, they did an incredibly good job of limited locations and using them to frame them in an, in insightful way so you know a a shopping mall or a hotel or a woods and those are kind of like the three main places that we see in this movie um uh, and i think you know it's not it's rare that you see people able to make something dramatic out of people walking around in slow motion in a wilco but this movie manages to do
1: it (laughs) yeah a, a pound shop yeah it's great yeah, and that was kind of their first jaunt into the city. And you're like, okay, so they're going into the city, which is, I guess, the mythical place where people live in harmony as couples that they're all trying to eventually get back to or not. And yeah, they're just kind of walking around looking at stuff in this pound shop. But it was filmed in um, in Dublin, which represents the city, and then it filmed in um, County Kerry and around Ireland as well. And you can sort of tell, but not really. It's deliberately kind of ambiguous. And I really like that everyone more or less talks in their normal accent. No one's told to put. They're just like do your normal voice, but deadpan it, and that kind of makes sense of it as well. Because you're not trying to think, oh, it's definitely this country or whatever to give it that kind of link back to the real world that you know. It's like this is a whole other world.
0: Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't need everyone to feel like they're exactly the same. It's like, um, uh, like Chernobyl, the the HBO series that I was talking about last time. Um, in that they don't try and put on ridiculous Russian accents. Um, because what would be the point? um and, and instead people generally speak in their own accents where the the odd person does a bit of a strange twang here and there um yeah and you don't need to do accents in a movie you don't need to try and make it feel like everyone's from the same place if they made everyone do a british accent in this film or everyone put on an american accent or everyone put on an irish accent god knows how badly that would go um
1: it'd it, be just be like ps i love you part two <laughs> <laughs>
0: Ah, that Colin Farrell's terrible oh, Irish accent, yeah. eh? <laughs> Yorgos
1: Lanthimos's <laughs> PS I Love You. <laughs> that's a very... I would pay I would pay good money to watch that's that. That's
0: a very good point, actually, is was Colin Farrell ever considered for the lead role in P. S. I I Love You? Because he could have done they it. could have had an actual Irish person <laughs> who's very yeah. high profile in that movie. Um, there
1: are any number of Irish men who could have done it without it being an issue.
0: I'm trying to think. I mean, it of still another. would have
1: been a rubbish. Uh, it still would have been a rubbish film, but it wouldn't have been an affront to the people of Ireland.
0: I, I love it and I I love that film. I love it more and more every time. The only thing I think it needs is more atonal dirge music. And, yeah, and that yeah. would have made it perfect.
1: Every time Gerard Butler turns around. i'm
0: gonna i'm gonna make a movie paddy where where there's no score but every time a character opens their mouth to speak dialogue it's just the music from the lobster just comes out of their mouths and then stops again as soon as they finish speaking
1: sounds great but it's in like a, a sort of future techno light world like tron
0: yeah exactly but then you've got you know a more a more natural score
1: yeah, definitely. That that would definitely work and not be jarring and hideous at all. <laughs> it's actually it's comparable to how we in Footloose we talked about a few weeks ago that like every every time there's any kind of emotional scene, there's swelling like synth strings and and like porno guitar going. It's a bit like that thematically, isn't it? But yeah. I prefer that.
0: I I I'm I think maybe we should remake Footloose but put the score of the Lobster in. Yeah. I, I want to. I'll tell you what. The next time I get a free day, which might not be for <laughs> another five years at this rate, I'll do that. Yeah. It was like, a
1: free day. Who gets a free day? That doesn't happen. This That's is, not a thing.
0: This is late stage capitalism. You don't get free time anymore. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. Yeah. I. 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 I enjoyed this movie. I. It didn't quite live up to what I wanted, and it should have. It should have ticked every box for me because I like strange films. And I like dystopian films.
1: I thought this was going to be extremely your shit. Yeah,
0: and it, and it is. I enjoyed it. I thought it was good, but I didn't love it. Whereas I really loved uh, The Favourite. The Favourite is one of... I, yeah. I'd probably say it's one of my favourite movies ever already. Wow. Um, because it's that good. Um, whereas, yeah, this is... It's very good. I can understand why it caused such a reaction, and I can understand why it was seen as like it—it it was George Lanthimos's breakthrough English-speaking film, yeah, um, wasn't it? Because you know he made a lot of a, a lot of waves of Dogtooth, which I've not seen, but I've heard is very good.
1: No, me neither. And again, very very good concept.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um,
1: Kids kept inside from the outside world,
0: and um, he's really good at those sort of key concepts isn't he Um, and you know I haven't seen Killing of a Sacred Deer but I do do want to watch that but I think that's again much more grim and much less comedic I think it's more deliberately uh, dramatic and tense
1: yeah that sounds like a bit too much for me
0: (laughs) I'll let you know if there's any synths and porno guitar yeah if
1: it doesn't have that I'm not interested (laughs) yeah Oh, also stars Colin Farrell
0: yes yeah um, but that's it, a it's a interesting sounding movie though, so I, I think I'm going to check that out soon.
1: Hmm. Yeah, and that was also critically rated, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. Um. And again, there's it, it's one of those directors where there's sometimes a clash between what critics say and what audiences think. Yeah. Um. So if you look on Amazon, for instance, um, at uh, the Lobster, and you look at the reviews. Um, not all of them are kind. Whereas I think it got around... I think the Metacritic rating for The Lobster was about 82%. Oh, wow. Um, because Metacritic is much better than Rotten Tomatoes, which just gives you a good or bad percentage. Metacritic yeah. actually tells you what the... But maybe that's what The Lobster
1: was... Wants. Because everything in the lobster is a binary choice, which is a thing I thought was quite a clever commentary on society. It's like, oh, you can't be when he's going into the hotel and they're asking him, "Are you straight or gay?" You can't be bisexual. Yes, because it, um, apparently it had caused
0: issues with their with their plans or something like that, hadn't it?
1: And you can't have shoes that are size forty four and a half. No half sizes. No
0: half sizes either. Um, what I like about that is it then asks, "Do you want to go a size up or a size down?" As if anyone would choose a size down and have incredibly yeah. <laughs> tight shoes on their feet. Um, yeah. So, so the lobster is currently standing at three stars out of five on Amazon. Okay. Um, let's have also, a
1: look. Also, very very reliable reviews.
0: I I I always trust the reviews on Amazon. Let's have a look. So yeah. the majority. Well, not the majority. I definitely but the trust highest... the
1: opinion of someone who thinks. Reviewing something on Amazon is a good use of my time. That
0: the highest, uh, out of all of the stars, thirty nine percent were one star reviews of the lobster.
1: And I bet they're all. I thought. I thought this was film about lobsters. No lobsters. Lol. <laughs> I I put this on for my child, and it it terrorized them.
0: Um, it's like a bad dream that repeats itself. Uh, bizarre. Is that. Is that...
1: Genuine one.
0: Yep, yeah, uh, Bizarre, weird, and cringeworthy. Watched 20 minutes out of curiosity, but not sure why. Um, <laughs> if I could give this zero stars, I would. Um, <laughs> laborious. That's quite a long word for an Amazon review. Yeah. was so that um, spelled correctly? Uh, it was as well. Um, it's in my top three worst films of all time with Atonement and Confetti. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not a really single specific. not a single
0: character to care about, which is quite a feat.
1: Have we talked about confetti? No. That's that is an interesting film. Very flawed, but yeah.
0: Have you seen it? I haven't seen it, no.
1: Oh, okay. We should talk about that at some point.
0: Uh, okay. Um Yeah.
1: And and also about atonement, which is dreary as well. <laughs> Just so drab.
0: I, I love those kind of films, Paddy.
1: Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> it, it doesn't have creaking strings, though.
0: I uh, see that's the problem. Is it needs creak creaking strings?
1: Yeah, that would have helped to relieve the tension.
0: Uh, I've got someone who agrees with you, though. Here, someone here says very strange story, unbearable, and awful music too. So, <laughs> and do you go under the name F Fort on Amazon?
1: Yeah, it stands <laughs> is that for Fuck Fort. <laughs> <laughs> see, to but they me, wouldn't they amazon wouldn't let me type that see
0: to me that sounds like it should all be one word though or is this is F- well, it, it's supposed forward. to
1: be yeah yeah oh there's, there's a, a rogue space so well, then that's not me in that case that's an imposter i need to go and <laughs> sue them when we when we're done recording
0: <laughs> oh dear oh dear so so yeah uh, uh people kind of didn't like this. Well, some people didn't, but The Favourite also gets three stars out of five on Amazon. And again, it's one of those things where people who enjoy watching movies, uh, like passionately watching movies, often really love his films, whereas people who just vaguely watch them, who turn up every so often to watch something, um, they generally intensely dislike his films.
1: Yeah, because they're a bit off the wall and a bit different. And as you say, tonally very, very tense. Rather than having the sort of the obvious points of tension rising and falling that you get with most films and most narratives this is tense the whole way through and still has all that rise and fall but it's it's tense the whole way through as is the favorite it's just it's the tone of it that puts people off isn't it
0: yeah it's it's so offbeat and it they it breaks a lot of what people expect from a movie um it, you you watch this and then you watch avengers endgame Game. Um, uh, it's a very different kind of film and I don't mean that as knocking you know big budget movies because they I, I think they're both equally valid in terms of supplying, oh, of supplying something that, that audiences want um, we're not being snobs no But uh, as someone who counts Robocop as probably his favourite movie I don't think I can ever <laughs> be a snob um, but it, it, there's something there's something very very different and you can see why you could
1: be a robo snob a right? robo snob
0: uh, recreated after being murdered by fans of marvel movies um, <laughs> to then provide precision robotic criticism of films um, yeah it, it you can see why people wouldn't like this um, but i I do i I just wish it was a little bit more cohesive
1: yeah I would say I liked it overall and I think it's really really good and there's so much to like about it and I'm glad that it exists. Because it's a boundary pusher, isn't it? It's a, it's an interesting film. It's very very different to, as you say, a lot of the the schlubby nonsense that's out there. It's it, and uh, you know all of the mainstream cinema. It's just slightly to the left of the mainstream, but still has in enough. It's enough enough sort of competent mainstream filmmaking in there. Enough, as you say, rise and fall and narrative and story and commentary on society and all of that stuff that works really well. It's yeah, as you say, it's just it it veers a little bit too too into the sort of overdone tension for me but overall i really like it and i'm glad it exists and i'm glad that i saw it i don't know that i would watch it again
0: yeah i'm i might watch it again and we'll see um but i i i appreciate that it's here and i do think you know without the success of the lobster would we necessarily have had the favorite Um, no we wouldn't and I i think that the fact that this was such a success i think it's you know it's it is it does deserve it because you can it it does something different doesn't it and yet yes, you've absolutely. got to appreciate a film that does something different.
1: And it is, it's is—it's very ambitious with a small budget, which is something that's always to be lauded.
0: Oh yeah, for sure, for sure.
1: It, it's ambitious conceptually as well. It's its ambitious in what it demands of its actors and it, it's ambitious in what it demands from the audience as well and asking you to consider a lot of very, very different things and different concepts and ideas of you know how we interpret our world and how we interpret and deal with... You know, love and relationships—relationships more so than love, conceptually, I guess.
0: Yeah, um, you know, the the big question: like, if you would have to be turned into an animal, what animal would you choose? Mm. Um, Which animal would you choose? By the way, I've got to know.
1: Oh, jeez, I know. I don't want to say a dog because in the film, she's like, "Oh, everyone chooses a dog because that people aren't creative, and that's why all that's why animals are becoming extinct because people aren't people don't turn into them after (laughs) after becoming single," which also made me chuckle. But um, it'd be cool to be something that can fly, wouldn't it? I'd really, I'd really love to be able to fly. May, may, maybe like a Canada goose because they can fly and they're furious. I mean, nobody, <laughs> I was gonna say, nobody, a livid animal. Nobody fucks with the Canada goose, right? They do. They, they don't have any predators, do they? The Canada geese. Uh,
0: well, I suppose in the world of the favorite, if there's lots of Canada geese around at the same time that people are becoming tigers, they probably mm. would have some kind of uh. Some some kind of predator in this world, but in general, I think people know to steer clear of a Canada goose.
1: Yeah, no, I'm I'm, I'm assuming it's in our world, um, but yeah. yes, you're right within the world of the lobster. I don't know. Well, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd choose a Canada goose because furious, no predators, nobody fucks with them, and they're Canadian, and they basically take whatever they the hell they want. So, yeah,
0: that's a good choice. The the, the one thing that you've forgotten about is the smell factor because geese stink. Yeah. So you would be do. you would be stuck in a very stinky environment for the rest of your life.
1: But are geese aware of their own smell? I don't think they but are.
0: But I think you would be if you got turned into one, wouldn't you?
1: Oh, so do I still have my all my human brain inside a Canada goose? But That's they, the, yeah, that wasn't really explained in the film. But they, they
0: certainly carry over certain elements, don't they, when you transform? Because I remember them right. saying about um if you turned into a parrot, you'd still have the lisp for instance.
1: Oh, yeah. So yeah.
0: certain elements are carried over. So you might still, you know, have some kind of the same element of consciousness.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I'd still have the ability to honk. <laughs> but no, I'd, I'd still go for it. it. Exactly. Yeah. But because, um, you know, nobody says boo to a goose and yeah, I don't know about you, but as a human, people are always saying boo to me all the bloody time. You just walk outside my street. front door.
0: Boo. Boo.
1: Yeah. Um, Seat yeah, for no, me. not even boo boo i get booed all the time <laughs> i was boo. saying <laughs>
2: um
1: you never say boo earns to a goose
0: <laughs> <laughs> um so for me the boring choice would be a house cat if i if i was turned mm. into an animal and i had family around me that would take care of me house cat is perfect because no one fucks with a cat if 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 a cat wants to be left alone you leave it alone and then it comes and gets food and when it wants attention you give it attention yeah um which is a pretty nice lifestyle every so often when i'm with my cat i sometimes whisper to her you don't know how good you've got it i wish i was in your <laughs> i wish i was in your little kitten shoes um but
1: I, I kind of feel the same about dogs as well like the domesticated dog just has has an awesome life
0: it does although they demand they they sort of get much more thrown at them uh, a lot more weight is put on the shoulders of a dog. Yeah. Particularly Bernie's mountain dogs, which do, you know, drag work, little carts dogs. and stuff. Yeah. Uh, in terms of a more interesting one, again, I think the bird route is the one to go down. Um, mm. An albatross, I think, would be pretty awesome. Epic. Being an albatross would be pretty great. Um, so I'd probably go down that route. Or something like a tiger and just get my revenge on the humans who turned me.
1: Yeah. That's true. Because, yeah, you're turned into the animal and then you're in the transformation room, right? Yeah, what do they do if you're a tiger? Yeah, what do they
0: do if you suddenly get turned into an incredibly livid bull elephant, for instance?
1: <laughs> Are they ready for it?
0: Are they ready for me as an yeah. elephant? Or that's a whale. Question. So, yeah, and that's the really interesting thing is when you sort of break down the concept further, it does ask all these questions about how does this world actually function? And the the answer is it probably wouldn't, but that's not the point, is it?
1: Yeah, not at all.
0: And you got to love it. You got to love it when a film a film manages to make you ignore all of those nitpicking points that the internet seems to love so much.
1: Yeah. Or oh, people just uh, didn't have yeah there weren't any lobsters in it. Oh, oh I wanted the, lobsters.
0: Batman wouldn't have been able to escape the blast. There, he wouldn't have been alive at the end of the film. Oh,
1: they thought um, they thought the lobster was a superhero
0: i'd watch a superhero called the lobster it sounds like a villain of the tick doesn't it
1: yeah it totally does yeah he's got big claws it's like dr Zoidberg.
0: hold on i'm gonna see if there is a a character called the lobster yeah Uh,
1: lobster man
0: oh the lobster it's come up on the hellboy wiki oh okay so do we have a vigilante who worked in secret in new york city during the 1930s Unfortunately, he's not dressed as a lobster. He just looks like a vigilante. Oh, okay. Um, Oh, Lobster Johnson is his name. (laughs) But he goes under the name The Lobster. And he has a little lobster claw.
1: The lobsters have a Johnson. (laughs) Wait, isn't that our next Prime Minister? Lobster Johnson.
0: (laughs) That's what happens when he goes on holiday.
1: He's a buffoon with claws.
0: (laughs) So it sounds as though The Lobster is a character from... um, from from the Hellboy universe, which I'm okay with. Hellboy gets a pass. Hellboy's cool.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Okay, that's good. Um, it gave us such great characters as Abe Sapien, which I still think is one of the best character names ever. Love a bit of Abe Sapien. He's the he's the fish guy.
1: Um, the, yeah, from, the, the fishman from The Shape of Water.
0: Well, the, the character looks very very similar. I, I don't know if you're familiar with Hellboy at all, or whether it's it 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 gets Not too close really. to to traditional comic books for you yeah it um, does
1: but i think i read one or two and i liked it and i saw one of the hellboy films a long time ago and i thought it was good
0: yeah so so abe sapien is a fish man who's one of the other agents in i can't remember the name of the bureau that hellboy is a part of the hell bureau the hell bureau um but yeah he's a fish man and the Fishman does look very very similar to the guy from the shape of water right um, so maybe maybe it's a an Ape sapien origin movie
1: yeah which
0: is it's great um so so have you got anything else to share about
1: uh, no i i, th- about, I think I think, I think i've said as much as i want to say yeah it's very very good overall um slightly loses its way in the middle tonally a little bit disconcerting um but overall good and interesting well worth your time
0: yeah same here um it it does get get a little bit aimless i think but the end is good. I like the end. And um, I think the first sort of half of the film is so good that it kind of makes up for the rest of it. Um, right. And even in its weaker moments, it's still it's still decent and still worth a watch.
1: Yeah, I agree. Have you got any trivia?
0: So trivia for you. Colin Farrell gained 40 pounds. Wow. Uh, for this movie. I think Was he looks good. Necessary?
1: He doesn't even look. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, gen- general Colin Farrell, he's a bit of a bit of a buffman, isn't he? Yeah um he's he's used to playing the buff guys the handsome guys um but I, I i think it suits him i think you know as colin farrell gets older he can afford to put on a little bit of weight and still look good yeah um the the song that they're dancing to in the woods is uh what where, where the wild roses grow um, which is the Nick Cave and the Bad Sea song with yeah, Kaleem
1: Oak. I, I didn't mind that. I thought that was cool.
0: And then, of course, you've got the fact that there's only three named characters in this entire movie and everyone else just goes by their defining <laughs> yeah.
1: characteristic. Biscuit Woman. <laughs> Biscuit was, Woman. That was great. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's David, Robert, which is John C. Riley's character, and then uh, John. Uh, and they're the only people who actually have names and nobody else has names in it at all.
1: Yeah, which is fine. It, and you go again. It makes you think about how society boils people down to characteristics rather than names. So there are myths that you have to share things. You, you, yeah, you and your partner have to share everything, or that you, you are this, you are your job, you are your clothes, you are your weight, you are whatever, rather than being your name.
0: Yes, precisely. Um, so it, it works very well. Yeah. It's a and good uh, and and final final trivia: Jason Clark was originally going to be the lead role. Um, who is the man from Zero Dark Thirty? Oh yeah, um, from Pet Cemetery. Um, that fella, he was gonna, he was gonna be the lead, but had to drop out. Oh, interesting. But you know, he's a good. One. Yeah, I think he would have done a good job as well. But I think Colin Farrell's got that real. He's got a really good comedic skill set to him. Colin Farrell, shown by like um, mm, definitely. Seven Psychopaths and In Bruges as well. He's got a much more. He's got a real quality for comedy. So, um, I, I think he was. Pretty much the perfect choice here.
1: Yeah, he's great.
0: Um, yeah, so that's it for trivia.
1: Great. how How shall we rate this?
0: Uh, how many How many rabbits did you hunt, or how many loners did you shoot in the woods? How many yeah, loners did I, you shoot in the woods? I was thinking along
1: those lines. Yeah, how many loners did you shoot to extend your number of days in the hotel? I shot thirteen loners.
0: Ah, yes. Yeah. So I I managed to get myself an extra two weeks in the hotel by shooting fourteen.
1: Cool, cool. Yeah, I was just short of that. I missed one. He scampered away from me.
0: Ah, oh, oh, dear.
1: He was looking for truffles without a pig.
0: <laughs> without a pig, obviously.
1: Good times, good times. All right, um, my choice next. And I realized the other day that we we were sort of talking about the, the Disney live-action remakes and whatever, um, and mentioned about how the Cinderella film, which I thought was boring, but which you liked and whatever. And it made me think of a different take on the Cinderella story um, with someone we hadn't talked about bef- for a while, but who we like, which is Drew Barrymore. So we're going to be watching Ever After, in uh, 1998. Okay. I have not seen it. Um, have you seen it?
0: I've not seen it, but I've heard of it.
1: Cool, cool. Well, it's from 1998, which is good because only 90s kids will remember this.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly, one for
1: the 90s kids.
0: Excellent, cool. Um, cool. I, I'm intrigued to see this.
1: Yeah, cool. Well, we won't have gotten to any any correspondence or anything if you, if you tweeted us about anything or whatever because we're recording quite far ahead. But um, if you have anything you want to share, get on us on the Twitter, Big Boys Don't Pod, or emails, Big Don't Cry Podcast at gmail dot com. Love to hear from you and please do remember to rate, comment, subscribe, all that stuff and tell your friends about our podcast if you like it.
0: Yes, and and do remember, you know, what, uh, what's your defining characteristic? What's your animal?
1: Yes, which animal would you become if you were forced to turn into an animal? Yes, let us know. Yeah, let us know in the comments.
0: Hello, are you there?
1: Oh, you've disappeared. <laughs> oh no, there you are. Am
0: I here again now? I yeah, you're it here suddenly again went very, very silent on my end.
1: It went tron on my end. <laughs> it went tron. Yeah. Oh well we were we were done anyway, so bye. Bye.
2: <laughs> <laughs>